What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here on the rooftop with our boy Matt O'Dell for this edition of Rabbit Hole Recap. Matt, how's it feel to be on the roof? What's up, freaks? This is my first time, right? Well, you've been up here for dinner. You've never recorded up here. Yeah, it's my first time recording up here. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, it's a beautiful roof. Weather's perfect today. The humming of some uh, helicopters in the background. Uh, let's hope they, they're they're flying safe today around, around this Manhattan. I'm looking forward to the the police siren that will be in this episode at some point it's bound to happen it is uh it is off hours it's not peak hours here in brooklyn recording around noon right now getting an early rip in um i'm pulling up the price right now according to the trade block xbx index the price of bitcoin is eleven thousand seven hundred twenty one dollars and eighty cents um pretty volatile last couple days 85 sats percent. 85 sats percent. Do we have a block? Uh, we can. Um, yeah, I mean, it has been volatile, right? What we, we, we passed 13K again, and then we dropped again. We did the same. It's just they, they wanted to make sure to liquidate everyone on both sides of yeah. the, the mechs traders. Yeah, it's, uh, it's important to, to humble all the traders out there. We're at 584943. There we go. Five hundred eighty-four thousand five eight three nine hundred and forty-three nine forty-three. Yeah. Blocks keep uh, keep coming in every ten minutes, roughly. Bitcoin works. It's beautiful. And we uh, we found that out this week. We were going to get to that. Before we get to that, uh, I got to give a shout out to our sponsors. Let's give a shout out to Cash App. Uh, they just uh, allowed you freaks to deposit to the app if you ever want to sell Bitcoin there. Uh, and now there's a rumor spreading. I think I don't. I'm not sure if this is official. We'll talk about this as well, but Beck 32 support is being rolled out. Somebody tweeted at us uh, or last week that, that they were able to send from uh, Cash App to Wasabi. So make sure you check out the number one app in the finance section of the App Store for the last two years. Uh, take advantage of the fact that you can buy and sell Bitcoin uh, via the Cash App, help start stacking sats, and then also their boost program comes with a boost card. You can use that at Merchants. I used it today to buy coffee. I used it twice yesterday. Actually, three times yesterday. I bought coffee in the morning. I got Chipotle later, and then I uh, bought a steak. It was 24 hours. It wasn't a one day. Then I bought a steak at Whole Foods the yeah, next the, morning. The coolest part about the deposits being enabled is that you can fund your cash card if you wanted to. Yeah, and go use it to buy things. Yeah. Spend your Bitcoin. I'm not advising that. Just if you want to, optionality is there. So go check out your local app store today. And then also shout out to Unchained Capital. In uh, their vault program, in particular, their two or three multi-sig. They, uh, if you guys are looking for uh, a partner in your multi-sig transaction, Unchained Capital is there. Uh, you can use a Trezor, a Ledger, and I believe they're adding cold card support as well. Um, and if you ever need Unchained to step in and be that second in that two of three signature scheme, they can do that for you. Uh, if you don't, you don't even need them though. You can do two of the three signatures yourself, or they're also, also open sourcing their multi-sig solution. So if you don't even want Unchained, uh, they're, they're open sourcing that for the community. Uh, on top of that, they have their loan program. Once you're in the vault, uh, you have access to, to Bitcoin collateralized loans. You can use that to um, not sell your Bitcoin. Friends don't let friends sell Bitcoin. So go to unchained-capital.com slash vaults. Check out the vaults. Get three free months of Safedina Moose's the uh, the Bitcoin Standard Research Bulletin, and uh, Matt, we got a funny shout out today. Oh, but before that, we should we should chill our Cash App promo code because it's oh good yes, cause. excuse me before yeah. we we wrap up the ads. Please, thank you for reminding me. Cash App, use the uh, promo code Stacking Sats, one word, um, and you'll if this is the first time you're downloading the app, uh, share the share the promo code with your friends and family who don't have the app as well. They'll get five dollars, and then. Square will donate $5 to Owls Lacrosse, uh, a charity near and dear to my heart. It's helping kids uh, in Chicago via the sport of lacrosse. Um, so stacking sats is the promo code for that. Um, and the, sh- the contribution we got today is, is asking the Bitcoin community to help throw some sats at something. Here it goes. It's a dear Bitcoin community. We need to figure out how we call all... We need to figure out how we call all chip in some sats to purchase a Super Bowl ad. Um, not 100% coherent there, but obviously we need to figure out how to get enough sats to purchase a Super Bowl ad. 
even if it just says Bitcoin, Bitcoin, Bitcoin for 30 seconds, then that would be amazing. Who is with me at Billy MacDo on Twitter? That's at Billy M-A-C-D-O. Did you meet Billy at Bitcoin 2019? Yeah, yeah. He had a, the pro move. He he like printed a hat that just had his his Twitter handle on the front of the hat, <laughs> so everyone knew who he was. It's a it's a sly move, Billy. And hey, uh, I know we won a Super Bowl ad. Let's start small with these uh, with these plane ads that go through the Jersey Shore. I think those are a lot more affordable. Uh, so we need to we need to tighten down the copy for that ad as it's going to be flying to and and uh, in the face of sunbathers at some point later this summer. There you go. I'm I, I'm I'm happy to support both. Uh, and I like his idea for the ad. It should just say it just say Bitcoin on the screen and just for thirty seconds it just just says Bitcoin. It would be on top of people's minds. There right? you go. Is it broken? You know, it's one of those is it one of those commercials where it's like, oh it's not working, but it actually works. It like starts the conversation like, oh Bitcoin just had like a thirty second frozen ad, but actually it was intentional all along. I love it. Gonna attack the normies with that. All right. Let's get to the list. A lot of stuff going on this week. We've got an hour here. Uh, Matt was doing some experimentation over the weekend. I think it's a, I think it's a good place to start. So the cold card came out with a bunch of new updates. Uh, Wasabi compatible. Um, we've been talking about it on on the rabbit hole recap for the last few weeks, last few months. And Matt has done the product review, and it seems uh, you're pretty pumped with the setup best hardware wallet i've ever used i don't <laughs> say that lightly i um i i was i pre-ordered the original i fucking we both love all this hardware um I, I pre-ordered the original cold card uh and it was it didn't have the clicky buttons yet and i just i couldn't i like couldn't recommend it because that was like my main issue and it relied on using electrum um, so they, they recently updated the cold card. Now it has these nice clicky buttons. Uh, it used to have like touchscreen buttons. Uh, and they also was the Wasabi team released an update. So they both released updates that made it so that using the cold card with Wasabi becomes way easier. Uh, so I, I ran through the whole setup process. Uh, you know, I set up a seed. Uh, I, I backed up my seed to a micro SD card. Uh, I, I received a transaction through Wasabi. I sent a transaction through Wasabi. I wiped the device. I re- restored the device. Never has to connect to a computer. The whole time you're just shuttling things through the micro SD card. Even the firmware update, you download it, drag it onto an SD card, stick the SD card into the cold card, and then go to firmware update and updates it. Yes. Um, and that's fucking awesome. Yeah, and that's probably the one conceivable attack vector that we were talking about is if somebody gets something on the micro SD card when you're downloading the implementation, but you can check that with uh, PGP, correct? No, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're you're the and also the device is verifying it when you just like when you do a firmware update on a Trezor or a Ledger, it's it's verifying the signatures uh, if they're authorized or not. Um, what was really cool is is you can we. Well, first of all, we're going to do a full write-up of the cold card and versus the treasure and versus the ledger, and we're going to do like a video demo of it. Um, but I think this is like the easiest, most secure setup you can have, which is like a cold card with Wasabi, and then have Wasabi connect to your full node. Um, it's just like it's like it's just very simple, and uh, it's it's way more user-friendly, I think, than you'd expect. Uh, one of the other cool things is we talked about on the last co- uh, in the last episode, I think, um, is that they added the ability to mix in dice rolls. So, like one of the issues with these hardware wallets is you're trusting the random number generator inside the inside the wallet. When you set up the cold card, if you when you see the seed, if you press the button number four, you can just start rolling dice. And uh, every time you roll a dice, you just click which button on the cold card you know it has one through nine a nice little number pad on the device you click which button you want on the device is the the dice roll and it just adds entropy to the seed and you can do it as many times as you want and then it gives you the full seed to do the full backup um i i bought casino dice for that yeah you brought some casino dice over very different than your in the regular than your Yahtzee dice. I know I've never held a casino dice before. Neither have I. Um, it's probably not necessary if you're using this mix-in feature. Like you can generate only based on dice rolls, but if you use this mix-in feature, you also have the 
the actual randomness of the device to protect you. It's just like an extra a bonus. But I, I brought you a casino dice because they only come in five. You can buy them on Amazon. Um, and yeah, it's just uh, it's just a really dope product. I also have uh, I found out today that Shift Crypto added me to their beta uh, testing. They have the new hardware wallet coming out. Yeah, what uh, when is that supposed to drop? I'm not sure, but they already did the first round of uh, they did the first round of of beta testers, and now I'm in the second round, so it's shipped. So I should have it in my hands like pretty soon. So we'll have another review coming. That one out too. That has to do with SDD. You have to use an SDD card with that. No, no, no. no. It just plugs in right into your computer. Uh, uh, like the. Do you remember their original one? I think it was screenless. I never actually played with it. Um, but you plug it in, you plug it in like a USB stick directly into your computer and it's uh you know, it has a little screen on it's USB C, you just plug it right into your computer. Boss. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean like I, I haven't really looked into it that hard. I just excited that it's, I'm getting the beta. It seems that it's got a... Uh some pretty high standards to surpass after your your cold card experience. I'm, I was blown away. I was everything about the cold card. The build quality is great. Rodolfo's great. It's it's transparent case, which is awesome. Oh, when you wipe the device. So by the way, whenever you use a hardware wallet for the first time, if you actually plan on using it, like generate a seed, do a test transaction, send and receive. You know, receive and send Bitcoin. Um, and and then wipe the device, like actually wipe the device and uh, and restore it. Try and restore it. Uh, so I did that with the cold card. And when you're scrolling through, it's like if you wipe your device, you're you better have a backup. Like you're screwed. Blah blah blah. And I didn't want to scroll down because I'm just testing. So I just pressed the OK button, and it aborted the device fail. And then I went back and I scrolled down. And it was like just to make sure you actually read this message you have to press four to confirm it i fucking love that <laughs> it's like you know just the little things like forcing user it. attention it's good yeah. it's uh the other thing to keep in mind is the the when you set it up with wasabi you're you're exporting uh like a skeleton wallet to the sd card then putting it on your computer and putting it into wasabi it's ba that's basically it's like an xpub so it's 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 Wasabi can generate all your addresses, so you can receive on Wasabi without having uh, to do anything with your cold card. Keep in mind that that file is like really sensitive, right? Like they can't, no one can steal your money with that file, but they can see all your transactions, yeah, you steal your, your privacy. Yeah, yeah, so be careful with that. Uh, very good point to note. Um, yeah, so be on the lookout. We're gonna do right up on that. It'll be on the website at some point in the near future. Um, yeah, that other hard wallet is the Bitbox O2. They had the Bitbox One. Yeah, so looking forward to that. Bang bang. The uh, proliferation of hardware continues, from nodes to to wallets, to miners. We got a uh, the the most powerful miner uh, in the world is going to hit the market in like a month or two. Apparently, the what's from miner. From who? What's, what's miner? miner? Yeah. Badass. We'll see. No, we can't tell until it's in production. But that's the uh, the word on the street. I mean, hash rate's at all-time highs right now. So. Yeah, I think it hit 74 exahash earlier this week at some point. That's pretty crazy. I've heard some people saying that it could double by the end of this year. What about the mining death spiral, Marty? I thought that was going to happen. Hey, you never know. You never know, Matt. It could happen. Yeah, okay. Not. That's why the difficulty adjustment uh, exists. Um, so staying on updates uh, in product review, Noddle, they updated to LND 0 0.7. Um, so just be aware of that if you have a noddle. Um, LND, and we talked about LND.7 last week. The upgrades there are Watchtowers and Child Pays for Parent are the two big ones, among other um, efficiency gains on top of that. And then as well, Eclair, which version was it? Um, Eclair version 0.3.1 came out. And the major changes there, API improvements, uh, better fee control when you're computing routes, more compre comprehensive balance information, um, can provide your own premiage when you create payment invoices. You can provide pre-computed payment routes when you send payments. And then on top of that is performance improvements, smarter p payment relay logic, automatic reconnection using published node addresses, and other miscellaneous improvements. So if you're running Eclair, that new version just dropped as well. Badass. Yeah. 
slowly but surely it happens. And I think this is a good uh, segue into like I wrote about this in the bent today, like the uh, fee pressure at certain price levels. So we just we alluded to it earlier. We uh, we touched 13,000 a little bit there for a little bit there at one point in the last seven days. And uh, Kevin Rook, he posted something, looked at the data on Coinmetrics and the average fee when we hit 13,000 this time around was like a dollar and 30 cents. We're in 2017, uh, 2018, the last time we're at those levels, the fees are around like $18, I believe. So uh, with the improvements afforded to us by SegWit, uh, companies batching transactions and uh, updating the BEC32 addresses, uh, we're able to be more efficient. And it seems that that Bitcoin is scaling and, and fee pressure is, is falling as these improvements come to the protocol and better practices happen with the, the companies using the Bitcoin blockchain. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that fees aren't higher right now. Um, I was like rushing, you know, like eight months ago, a year ago, I was like rushing to make sure that I was like all prepared for the next fee crisis. And they haven't been moving up as quick as I expected. I think a lot of it also is, um, we were talking about this last last week, is that I, I feel like we don't really have uh, new retail coming in yet. Mm-hmm. So... So, like, uh, the people that are using Bitcoin right now are probably more experienced users, and they know that they can wait and they can get away with the lower fee. Yes, uh, exactly. So that's, like, the the question at hand. Is this a correlation? Is not cause, Is this a case of correlation? Is not causation? What are, what, what's more impactful, the, the lack of retail use of, cha- of block space or um, the, the up the efficiencies afforded by upgrades like what's more impactful yeah i think it's Probably. like a com- you know yeah. like most things there's a combination of both exactly. right yeah so be interested to see um which side has more impact this time around but again uh there's still improvements to be made fee estimation still isn't perfect so when you're sending transactions make for make sure you check better fee estimators that exist online uh mempool.space is one that we've been liking recently um and what the fee.io is really good. Yeah, what the fee.io. Um, so it can be approved even further. But it seems like that's what I wrote today. Bitcoin is a system. I wrote code base. I was actually at a shower thought. I wish I said system instead of code base. But Bitcoin is a system that sort of uses incentives to leverage human labor to, to fortify its systems over time. And it seems like it's getting fortified. Yeah, I, I, I love it. It's... it's uh yeah, I mean the, the incentives work, right? You, who wants to pay more for their transaction? I mean, look at look at Cash App. Cash App just so so it looks like Beck thirty two is being it's staged. It's a stage rollout the Beck thirty two withdrawals, but uh, they Cash App pays your transaction fee when you withdraw. They have a direct incentive to make sure that those fees are as low as possible because it comes out of their pocket. Exactly. So again, the incentives are just beautiful and staying on incentives and uh the the protocol and the system showing that it works this week yesterday morning uh justin carmana from bit refill i believe noticed this on his node uh it looks as if a miner wasted a ton of energy and tried to award themselves 13.265 i could be off on the exact number but they tried to award themselves like one bitcoin and change above the block reward which is 12 and a half bitcoin right now and my full node rejected it, and and you saw, um, you saw the the incentive system and the check and checks and balances of the system come into play as full nodes around the world said, "Hey, you're not consensus. We're going to reject this block from you." I mean, that's why we run full nodes, right? Yeah, no, it's cool. Trust, verify. Yeah, it was cool. Like I was online, like I was about to use a screenshot from somebody else's node uh, for the bent yesterday, and I was like, "Wait a second, I have my node right here." I checked the the debug log files, and of course, Control F invalid, and of that that exact block was was called invalid by my block as well. What I thought was really cool is uh, Bitmex has their like that portal page for Bitmex research uh, forkmonitor.info I think, mm-hmm. and they run a bunch of old nodes too. It doesn't matter what what which software version you had, they just all rejected oh, yeah, yeah. it in unison. Yeah, I think I'm running. I think I'm still. I'm not on version zero point eighteen yet. I don't think I might not have upgraded yet. Um, just out of laziness, uh, and so I'm, I think I'm still on 17.1, and it it blocked it. There you go. Um, and then like to talk about the specific 
instance with this miner, it looks as if the miner was uh, using uh, proprietary software to construct blocks, and it looks like as if they it was were ampool, right? I think so, but it looks like that that particular block they mistakenly added the fees of the transactions that they would have added to the block to the Coinbase transaction. Yeah, to the reward instead yeah. of they didn't include the transaction. Yeah, but they didn't include the transactions, so yeah. it looks like it was a bug and. They tried to group transactions and add the fees, and somehow they forgot the transactions added to added it to the Coinbase reward. So instead, they lost everything. Yes. So they wasted a lot of power. One hundred fifty thousand so, dollar mistake at the time. They, so now their incentive is to make sure that doesn't happen again. Exactly. Um, Beautiful. The system works. It works. And don't let anybody tell you that you don't need to run a full node. And it was really empowering seeing it on my own computer, on my own device. Like, hey, I helped. Uh, contribute to the rules here. I mean, that's why we need to keep node operating costs as low as possible, right? So that that anyone can run it if they want to, and that we can have as many as possible among as many holders as possible. Yeah. No, and um, no, that's a good segue into Samurai uh, version 99.81, which is trying to help Samurai as a company and a team that we've talked a lot about here on Rabbit Hole Recap and Tales from the Crypt at large. Um, but they just had a new release, too. Uh, came out with a blog post, entered the dojo. Um, so they've got a bunch of new releases, and they're, they're open source. They have open source their node software as well. The big one here is that you can easily pair it to your dojo if you're running a, a dojo node, um, which is a node with their own uh, software on top. Uh, that then connects through Tor to your device so that you don't have to rely on their servers at all. Um, the other big thing is they've now, now they default to BEC32 as well. Um, it was already an option that was, that was when you set up a receiving address, you could switch to BEC32, but now it defaults to it, which is, is good to see more people moving over to that as a standard. Um, but you can still switch back to the legacy addresses and the wrap segwit address if you if you want. And it's the same way you used to switch to back thirty two, now you now you do it uh the opposite way. Hey man. So if you're running uh Dojo, Samurai, they've upgraded. Upgrade your stuff, even though I'm a, it's uh hypocritical coming from me, somebody who just talked about how he hasn't updated his his node in a, in a few versions. Well, yeah. So right now, the only way to get the dojo is is to to run it yourself on your own computer. Yes. I haven't tried it yet. Um, yeah, just because we've been running all over the place, I got to. Soon, you'll be able to buy the Noddle Dojo. It's so red. You, yeah. So you buy it's red. So you buy the Noddle Dojo. I've I've seen some pre production pictures. It looks good. Um, you buy the Noddle Dojo. You download the Samurai Wallet app. You sync it. Right now, Whirlpool is running on a computer, which is their CoinJoin implementation. So you have a separate thing running on, on your computer. In the future, you won't even need that, supposedly. The plan is, is that you just like open up the Samurai app, you click, you click enter CoinJoin rounds, and it just starts mixing until you're ready. Bang, bang. And the, the benefit of Samurai's mixing pools is they have different denominations. Uh, typically lower than Wasabi is right now. They're uh, both the two current pools they have are both lower than Wasabi. Yeah, Wasabi is at 10 million sets, um, and then and the two pools uh, for Whirlpool are 5 million and 1 million sets. Um, yeah. Bang bang. Um, let's shift to more. Uh, I don't want to call it gossip, but uh, I should call it gossip, but. Uh, Blockstack, they announced that they officially got approval from the SEC to announce, or excuse me, to uh, do a token offering that will be uh, completely compliant within U.S. regulations. What are they calling it, Reg A plus? Yes, I believe so. So the difference is, is I guess they did a sale last year that was only to accredited investors, and then this time any schmuck can invest in it uh, with full KYC. If you do full KYC AML checks, um, yeah. Is this an innovation on the ICO? I mean, I just it is an ICO just with with regulatory overhead, right? It's just uh, I, I I mean, I guess it's nice that it has to be more transparent. Um, they tell you exactly um, how much money the first investors paid for it and how much you you know what I think the return is like twenty five hundred percent from their uh, their the, anyone who invested in their Series A investment. 
got got the token as well for like mad cheap and same with the two founders i think it was like Um, half a penny or something like that yeah i mean look it's a worthless token that shouldn't exist that's completely centralized that they're doing kyc on all their holders which is going to make it even harder for it to ever truly be distributed and and meanwhile like in all their document like all their publishing and stuff they're like it's we're building the decentralized internet like you can't just call something decentralized and like make it decentralized that's not i don't know it's just it's i i think it's whatever it doesn't really matter one way or the other it's neither good news or bad news um but it's just frustrating like seeing all these people like congratulating them on it like i don't really think congratulations are in order is it possible to be decentralized with KYC? Like that seems to be your biggest. You know, I, I, I don't. First of all, I don't get why the token needs to exist in the first place. They're doing it purely for fundraise, even though you get no equity, which is the same issue where we have with all this other tokenomics that we see that involves sales. Um, you know, we have a great way of distribution already. It's POW. It requires no KYC. Like, there's no central party that controls it. Uh, but yeah, I think that if you KYC all the holders, then first of all, like we've talked about this in terms of Bitcoin, right? Is that if you KYC all the holders and like 10% aren't KYC because of like resales or something, like those 10% privacy is also at, at risk because you know the other 90% of addresses and stuff, process of elimination, if they do any kind of interaction with them, stuff like that. It'll also be like extremely easy for the government to eventually enforce KYC across the board, like... I don't see if it's regulatory compliant, like you really think that the U.S. government is going to just let you resell it without KYC being happening. Like, no, I don't think so. So you end up with a situation where just like all the users will eventually be KYC. And yeah, I don't think I, I think if the tech is actually good, like someone will fork it without this token involved. Even if for some reason I'll give you the hypothetical that the token is absolutely necessary and I'm wrong about that someone will fork it with a different token that isn't complete centralized bullshit. Potentially Gap. They've they've been forking a lot of stuff recently. No, I tend to agree with everything you just said there. It's interesting because what I understand, like the stack token, it's like a dev incentive play, correct? Um, Mainly? It's both. They like also mix it in. You're supposed to pay like fees with it. You like, you need the stack token to use the platform is my understanding. Yeah. And, And then they also have... As part of this raise, they're setting some free stack tokens aside that you know they printed out of thin air, and they're gonna give it to something called a dev mining fund, which is they're just gonna pay like people to develop on it. Yeah, that's uh, I mean it's a topic I've been passionate about in the past. I haven't touched on it in a while, but like the dev incentives meme, I think is completely overblown. Um, I mean, like we just talked about, like Bitcoin has fortified its system pretty consistently and handedly over the last decade and a half without any built-in dev incentive mechanism other than distributing bitcoin to the network every 10 minutes um that's the only incentive yeah and greed right just like people want to make money right yeah exactly they want to see bitcoin bitcoin succeed they want to see their bags increase in value they want to see their businesses that run alongside bitcoin do better business do bigger business yeah no, um, yeah. So Blockstack, they they're officially been anointed by the SEC to do this. So be aware that will be um, that will be launched to the public soon. You know, it could be interesting. I like someone responded to me on Twitter. Like, it could be interesting from like a like pseudo IPOs, and like if they're open to pseudo IPOs in the future. Because I mean, stocks already require KYC. So like, if you're like an un like a non-accredited investor and you could get like like basically like kickstarter but with equity like it won't be decentralized at all but like that could be useful to people you know like i'm not against that idea as like a fundraising mechanism but like you need equity like you don't need a worthless token that 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 shouldn't you know that's where my issue is yeah yeah no i tend to agree so again be aware that's happening no and i actually have a lot of respect for the block stack team. I've had Patrick Stanley on this podcast before. Medib, somebody I respected early on in my Bitcoin life. He was very good at describing distributed systems. And Ryan Shea, their their lessons that they learned at Namecoin was was very uh, 
uh, illuminating to me and and the nature of proof of work in particular. So it's interesting to see them go down this path. Yeah, those guys are OGs. I I have a ton of respect for them. I I just feel like their investors probably like pushed, they like probably pushed the token on them. There's just so much money to be made on this bullshit. Yeah, that's actually I interviewed Paranoid Bull. uh, What was that two days ago now? And that episode will come out next week. But that's what we talked. Like the 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 uh, that's what he he described that the siren call to do that. It's too easy. Like you can't deny it. Yeah, I'm super excited about that episode. By the way. Yeah. Yeah, Alex talked about that too in our episode. It's another great episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is just it was. But, but I mean, it was super appealing, especially in 2017 when it looked like everyone was could possibly get away with it, stuff like that. Like, I don't know how appealing it is now in 20, 2019, regulatory compliance. I think the, one of the whole value props of ICOs in the first place that was there was no regulations and everything. That it was just completely wild west, right? Like, why not just do, like, a regular equity raise? Yeah. Well, isn't that what DAOs are for? Isn't that what they're supposed to accomplish? <laughs> that decentralized equity raise? I, we'll see. Are there any, like, functioning... I don't know. Should we should we rehash yeah, this? We we're only thirty minutes in. We only have two topics left, so maybe this is a, a good time to rehash the the DAO hack and the and DAO the, hack. The story around the first DAO. When did that happen? In twenty sixteen. I think the summer of twenty sixteen. Yes, like June, May or June twenty sixteen. All I know is to all the people who let's describe a story for maybe some yeah. freaks who weren't around back then. So okay, you want to shoot? Was it Ethereum's first ICO? The da- uh, the Slocket DAO. Uh. I mean, it wasn't like a traditional, was it a traditional ICO? Sad, it's so long ago. It's like yeah. decades and... In, in because you actually got, you like locked it up in a smart contract, right? And you got DAO tokens. In, in, and the idea was that the DAO was supposed to then invest in other yeah. ICOs. Yeah, if you're getting DAO tokens, that's a coin. That's a token, so... And then they were going to invest in investments and there was going to be like votes on it and all that stuff. Yeah, and the team um, that, the team that ran... That ran this ICO, this DAO, this DAO funding, we'll just refer to it now since we're not po- positive <clears throat> if it was considered an ICO, but they ran like some business where they wanted to run smart contracts like lock and unlock bikes and, and scooters and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I guess it definitely was an ICO. It was one of the first. I mean, Ethereum itself was one of the first ICOs. Yes. Um, yeah, but before they could even get... Oh, and the real value prop of the DAO to the ethereum holders at the time i mean ethereum was at like six dollars seven dollars something like that was that people were buying ethereum to put in the dow contract and it was locked for a certain amount of time before you could ever before you could remove it so it was draining supply like the ethereum guys like they're always there's always a new ploy to try and lock up as much supply as possible um because their monetary supply monetary policy doesn't actually incentivize people to hold it so they have to like come up with all these different schemes and and the dow was like the first one and then the i the ico booms was like another one where all the icos were like holding on to it so then what there was a vulnerability was found in the dow yeah so the 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 eth that was locked in those contracts the smart contract had a vulnerability that allowed a hacker who executed a certain function to uh basically drain the smart contracts into an account of his choice so or then, her choice so so at this point like the the ethereum supply was 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 tightening because all this money was going into the dow the price was was skyrocketing. It was at all time highs. It was at like twenty dollars, twenty one dollars, twenty two dollars, shit like that. Um, and and then all of a sudden, this vulnerability happens. And this attack, the attacker. What happened was the I think it was like the first day, the funds weren't locked anymore, right? Because remember we said there was this lockup period, maybe like six months after the original, <coughs> somewhere around there, right? I think it was like June twenty sixteen. I think it happened sooner. I think the lockup period did not was shorter lockup period. Yeah, I think it, I think he was able to bypass the lockup period. I'm pretty sure it was like right when. The, anyway, either way, he starts draining it, and then these guys called calling themselves the white white hat group started combating him by draining it preemptively, trying to drain it before everyone else could. Right, um, and that white hat group never officially said who they were, but like it was like all the Ethereum Cordes. Like there's no way it wasn't, you know. Um, and then there's a whole other controversy with like, 
Well, that's what caused With, Ethereum Classic. Right. So then they, then they forked it out, right? After a vote, after a carbon vote. With like three percent of people. Less than that, I think it was like two. Right, and and they basically rolled it back, but because Ethereum uses account balances, it's not like they had to roll back all blocks. They could just roll. They could just do that one contract. Change the state in the block. Yeah. Or like that. yeah. Um, which isn't great because that means it's there's less. The, the, it's easier to create the political will to change balances and lock up funds and stuff, I feel like. Um, but yeah, so then they did that. Ethereum Classic was born because Ethereum Classic didn't follow the fork. Um, and so the White Hat group was had a ton of Ethereum Classic because they were draining it too. So there's a whole controversy about like how they said they were going to return the funds, They but the, some some look like they were sold uh, to like try and crash the price of ETC when the fork first happened. No, and actually, let's give yeah. credit to this instance. It also like brought to the fore the, the responsibility of exchanges uh, when these forks happened. That was like a big, with Coinbase in particular, people were perturbed that they weren't given their ETC right away. They were eventually, but it took, I believe, six to eight months, maybe even a year, maybe even, actually, maybe even many years. Again, I forget. I the think exact they didn't details. get back the ETC until after they like started uh, supporting Bitcoin Cash right away, right? And then there was a controversy yes, that why were they giving people Bitcoin Cash and not ETC? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the nature of these systems it, it creates when you fork, especially it creates headaches for for users and then exchanges too. And that's yeah, it's like an ethical dilemma. Is that I, I'm a believer if a coin forks. I mean, it's hard. Like, because so Bitcoin, Bitcoin's had like hundreds of forks. Like, I'm not going to go calling for all those UTXOs on those different chains. But well, the thing about ETC, it was the original chain. the 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 other chain had forked, right? Like, you have to. I think there's a there's a responsibility there to at least support the original chain for a little bit afterwards. Uh, you know, they. I mean, do you remember they also got drained of the ETC because they just ignored it? They just said ETC doesn't exist. Um, so they ignored it and basically people were getting with withdrawals. They would withdraw ETH and it would come with some ETC too at the same time. And they had to, they had to buy it back on the market. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was a, yeah, there was a bug on Coinbase that people were exploring like right after that fork. Um, and not, I don't think many people know about that. What that Coinbase, it was like the only time Coinbase ever, I think lost actual crypto. Yeah. Um, that we know of. Yeah. So what have we learned from this, Matt? Well, one thing that I, I feel like is highly relevant right now because the Bitcoin dominance metric is going up and altcoins seem I to why, why are we down. What are we defining as the Bitcoin dominance metric? I'm just saying the usual thing. I, I don't love the dominance metric because it's super easy to inflate uh, the market caps of the Ill illiquid chains of all the altcoins. We, and we are big purveyors, myself included, of not using the market dominance when dominance isn't quote-unquote in bitcoin's favor right so which we, it is right now yes but my point is bitcoin's pumping and altcoins aren't pumping so everyone's saying is is you know when old season altcoins are dead forever like uh, we had uh, ian bellina came out and he was like i'm a bitcoin maximalist right now and he's like <laughs> the biggest like token bullshit guy ever. don't keep your uh private seas on evernote right he's supposedly yeah, I mean, maybe he didn't get wrecked from the old apocalypse because he just got wrecked at the top when they stole his <laughs> funds on uh, Evernote. But um, I remember when the Dow happened, because I didn't. We were both around when I, Ethereum ICO didn't participate in the ICO. I watched it go up to like twenty dollars, and I was like, "Wow, Matt, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I fucked up. Like, I didn't participate in this." Uh, uh, but it went from like thirty cents to twenty-two dollars or whatever it was. It just it just pumped a shit ton with the Dow, and then after the Dow hack happened, it fell all the way down to like three dollars, four dollars. I think less than a dollar at one point. I was like, it is done. It is dead. It is done. There's no way it's coming back. You know, blah blah blah. I was positive, a hundred percent. So just take it with a grain of salt. You know, just uh, that's what I think about when I think. You know, did, did it really happen this time? Are altcoins dying? Like, well. You don't want to keep dumping on ETH here, but like to that point, yes, it did keep pumping after that. It pumped all the way to USD highs and uh, highs against Bitcoin in the summer of 2017. Um, but since then, to high, I mean, it pumped to $1,500 from $2. I was 100% sure 
after the Dow hack that it was dead. I was like, no smart investor would invest in this. You can change it willy-nilly. The code isn't secure. You know, they're running all these smart contracts that can't be audited. Uh, no one knows what the monetary supply, monetary policy is going to be. Like, I, there was all these reasons. I was like, I was like, when they try and scale this thing, they're going to make it super centralized. There's not going to be enough nodes. And I was right about a lot of that. I think it's. I think everything's pointing to me being right about a lot of that. But I was wrong by a fucking lot, right? Like it went so high. The irrationality of the market. It exists. Are you calling a flippening? Is this the vibe I'm getting? You're no, about I'm to- not calling a fucking flippening. And I can't believe there's so much revisionist history. They're like, oh, Bitcoiners are so mean to us or whatever. For like two years, they parroted that flippening bullshit. And now they're like pretending, oh, B- Ethereum was never meant to compete with Bitcoin. Now it's a programmable store of value. Yeah. Ridiculous. How many narratives have we gone through? Unstoppable apps. Uh, uh, world computer. World, unstoppable world computer. Is that what it is? Unstoppable apps. On the world computer. On the world computer. Touring complete. Touring, touring complete. Um, DApps. That was big. ICOs, obviously. DeFi pisses me off. DeFi's new. Yeah. DeFi and programmable, programmable store of money, store of value, excuse store me. Store of value. Are the, uh, the two narratives they're running with now. Let's see if they stick. Maybe they will. Um... Yeah, no, it's a little rant there. Know your history. That, it's important. Actually, had somebody tweeted me today. That they uh, they recently listened to the first couple episodes of Tales from the Crypt. So if you freaks out, some of you freaks are out there are relatively new to the space and you want to learn about Bitcoin's history, the first two episodes of Tales from the Crypt were me nervously going through Bitcoin's history up until, I believe it was August or September of 2017. Yeah, those are great. Definitely check them out. Yeah, but it's important to know your history. Also, we had no intention of going down that, so... No, was, uh, again, we needed to fill time. Don't kill us if the... We crushed 10 minutes there. Yeah, there you go. Um, but we do have a couple more topics left. Zap Android update. Uh, so Zap has their new update out. Uh, I have not played around with this yet, but I believe you Well, you, you don't have Android. Yeah. I wonder, the last Zap, the first Zap Android release, I got super excited, and then I couldn't send payments or create channels on it. I could just look at shit. So I'm not sure if this update lets me do that. I haven't tried it yet. Yeah. Um, I've been, I, I've actually been having some issues. Yeah, I, 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 we love Zap, so the, the update is, is great to see. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, it's been working very well on my iOS app. I've been using it every day. Um, what I really like is I like the the Zap desktop light client mode. I think it's like a really simple way to get someone onboarded on Lightning without custodial, you know, even though it's not, I mean, ideally they run their own node, but it's like a nice stepping stone, I think. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, yeah, so Zap, Android, if you're running that, there's been an upgrade, or excuse me, an update there. Um, so check that out if you're running Zap on Android. Um, and then our last topic that we have down here is Satnode on Twitter. That's really fucking cool. Yeah. Um, so for you freaks that don't know, uh, there's a Twitter account, Satnode. Uh, and there's nothing really special about the Twitter account other than it's just taking the messages that get sent to um, the Blockstream satellite and uh, relaying them on Twitter. Well, like, Grubles has a Blockstream satellite set up, and as he receives stuff, he set it up <clears> to <throat> then tweet it out. So it goes through the satellite, hits Grubles laptop, and then goes up. Yeah, there's a Blockstream satellite app, I believe, that allows you to send messages. and. Or you can do it from the website. Yes. You um, can just go, if you type in Blockstream satellite into Google, it just takes you right to the link that just goes to the website. You can put text or, like, a small file in. <clears> then you pay, and it's, like, a negligible amount. It's, like, five sats or something. I've, I've been paying 50 sats. Let's let's do it now. We'll send a message well, here. 50 sats per byte, and then yeah. it comes out to what? Like five sats or six sats per, right? Yeah. Um, I've just been paying 50 because I've been using it from the Telegram app. Oh, you d- you've been paying? F- yeah, so there's a bot that you could do it straight yeah. from the Telegram. So there's, so there's a bot I downloaded over, the we- downloaded over the weekend, and it's crazy how fast this stuff's happening. And this was actually, we didn't have this on the topic list at all, but it... <clears throat> Uh, very important tangent here. This is like the first time, like holy shit, like this can reach all Telegram users. Like it's pretty easy setup once you follow the the bot. So it's LNTX bot on Telegram, and you basically start it and you fund it with Lightning. So I, I imagine somebody maybe they use a Rise wallet or they have a Blue wallet that somebody sent them Satoshi's on that they have on their phone. They could easily 
fund this LNTX bot wallet uh, right in the Telegram app. And that has a bunch of functions that you can use. And one is slash app satellite, which communicates with the um, sat node, uh, the blockstream satellite node, and the sat node Twitter account will pick this up and relay this message. So I'm going to put dash app satellite, pay 50 Satoshi, so 50. And then what should our message be, Matt? You should, we should say hi from the pod. Yeah. Uh, talking about sat node, talking about Bitcoin and satellites. And satellites? Talking yeah. about Bitcoin and satellites on TFTC 21 right now as we send this. Something to that effect? I shortened it down a little bit. Stay humble, stack sats, TFTC. When in doubt. Boom. Transmission cool. paid. So, so if you have a satellite, if you have your, your satellite set up to Blockstream Satellite, you will receive it directly no matter where you are. I, you were talking about it in, in the bent, and I thought it was so cool. I just sent it, I sent it out uh, through the satellite network, your bent, your newsletter through the... Pretty meta. So cool. Pretty meta. Very meta. Uh, sending a link to the article about the sat node to the sat node. And there's a guy who does uh, PGP signed messages with like daily news bulletins. Like that's so fucking cool. Yeah. And uh, no, and again, like it's cool. And it, again, going back to the usability, like I can see we're not that far from every Telegram user being able to do stuff like this. And oh, yeah, back to the Telegram app. That's while, really cool. While sat node is just like one f- fun gimmick, it's just one application of using the lightning network and these relay networks in one fashion there can be other apps that can be made and you can the ability to buy shit and information with microtransactions the telegram app you can buy stuff in person too yeah oh yeah just take a picture upload the picture take a picture of the the qr QR code code. upload the qr code as a picture in the app and it reads it and says do you want to pay this invoice you hit yes and you pay for it right away i mean i don't know why you would do that like why wouldn't you just have an why why don't you just have a lightning wallet app on your phone but it's cool maybe again optionality maybe some people don't want to go that far i mean it would be cool if like let's say uh let's say like you have a friend or or someone or like a child uh one of your kids and they're they're abroad and they they need to pay for an invoice they can just message you the qr code and telegram and then you can put it in the bot and just pay it right away Yeah. yeah it's pretty crazy that's pretty cool yeah, there was, and we talked about this a couple months ago, a few months ago. But there's, there's, we've seen Telegram, Lightning Network apps that let you pay for local Wi-Fi and stuff like that. So, the ability is there to do this microtransaction shit, and it's fun. Speaking of microtransactions, check out tftc.com or excuse me, tftc.io/dime-bag. Um, slash dime-bag. Yes, it's a mouthful. There you go. Uh, um, the other thing is, uh, Telegram has a shitcoin coming out soon. Are they still going to launch that? I'm not positive. Are we going to have to move apps? Are we pumping the wrong app you, right now? I wonder if they'll... They'll probably won't crack down on LN apps and stuff like that. They've hope. been pretty good about just letting any bots just run wild. Yeah. Where's Telegram based out? They're out of, like, Russia, right? Or No, no he like, left uh, Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I forgot about... Cause I they don't know. Did I feel ice- like they're connected to an intelligence agency. I'm just not sure. I, that's why I, I always say about Telegram is they're like one of the few ones that I'm not sure which one they're they're associated with, whether it's the Russians or the Americans. Yikes! Who knows? Who knows? Hey, hey! If you're listening out there, what's up? <laughs> just be chill. <laughs> Stay humble, stack sats. Um, yeah, that's all we have for topics. We got about ten minutes to riff here. If you want to riff on anything, if anything. Uh, well, we have Bitblock Boom coming up. Oh, that's true. Um, it's like a, it's a nice small conference. You had a great time last time. We have like an all-star lineup of speakers. Uh, Gary Leland, who runs it, uh, we've met him. He's a great dude. Um, so like that might be a good one to go to. It's in Dallas. What's the dates? August seventeenth and eighteenth. Yeah, I believe it's like the third third weekend yeah. in August. Our our discount code is RHR, uh, so you get thirty percent off on that. And I think you go to bitblockboom.com to check that out. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun last year. Texas, it's always, that was my first time in Texas last year. And this will be my second time this year. So uh, Texas is great. I don't make it to Texas as often as I should. Uh, still need to get to Austin. Hear a lot of good things about Austin. Yeah, I'm, I've, I haven't been to Austin yet. A lot of good Bitcoiners in Austin. Yeah, I have a couple of buddies there too. Yeah. 
definitely got to make our way over there at some point. Yeah. Um, um, talking about Bitcoiners, we got a really good crew of New York City Bitcoiners. I think we're going to, uh, this is an exclusive little tease. I think we're going to run a, like a cold card wasabi full node workshop uh, for like that full stack that we were talking about earlier. Um, so stay tuned for that. That should be a lot of fun. Yeah, if you're in the New York area and want to interact with a cold card in person, um, just stay tuned. Yeah, stay we tuned. haven't said any details yet. We'll th- we we think we'll include a cold card in it, and we'll see. Yeah, should be a good time. We have a lot of good, a uh, lot of good New York City Bitcoiners are going to step on the plate and help run that with us. Yeah, that's um, nah, we're. It's funny. I was met with a New York Bitcoiner last night. We're talking about how, uh, and we've talked about this a lot before. It's funny how how many quality. Uh, people in the Bitcoin space are here in the city in particular, as it's one of the the harshest regulatory wise for for Bitcoin companies. I know that's re- it's really weird, but we do have numbers on our side. I was thinking about that, right? Like, what is it, like ten million in the metropolitan area? It's true. <laughs> so, like, the course of subset are going to be Bitcoiners. The uh, the law of um, the law of numbers comes into play there. Bound to be quality people when you when you hit that threshold. Um, ooh, there's something else I wanted to riff on. Some of you, been, I mean, some of you are keen on staying on top of his facial recognition and, and privacy stuff. Um, so there was a school in Western New York, up by Lake Erie, I believe, a school district that's about to uh, implement facial recognition technology in their schools. And if you read the article, New York Times article, it's actually interesting because it's not the state implementing it or the district. They basically got sold by some "quote unquote" security advisor who is like his job is to go and fear monger. Yeah, it reminds me of the ring bullshit, right? Where Amazon's going around trying to further the the surveillance state because it just helps their bottom line. Um I mean we saw this with we saw this with 9/11 with the Patriot Act. You know, you see it all the time. You sell them on fear. I think this place was uh close to um the Connecticut school. Yeah, that shooting that happened. Mm-hmm. So they sold them on the fear. It's the summer break. They're like pushing in the system now. And then in the fall, yeah, they these had, kids they are going to get tracked. That was what was most fucked up about it. They had like a, a board, school board meeting in the middle of, of June or something like that when everybody's like on vacation. two months after school ended or a month after so school So nobody ended. was there to object. But it seems like the parents are pissed off. But, but then they said, fuck you, we're doing it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fucked up, And this, this system would... It, they're... They're saying it's just to identify um, basically people that are on list there that are marked as uh, like bad people. But isn't it behavior too? It's supposed to well, like detect that's what if actually, students are showing like the signs of about to shoot at the so school. Actually, um, I went and reread the article thoroughly because I actually almost wrote that in the bent, and in the article it does not say that. But I would not be surprised if this technology has that ability and it will be used in that fashion in the future i posted like a bunch of articles that were connected to to the basically the creeping surveillance state into our schools um and one of them was so i'm not sure if i'm mixing them up but one of them was an acoustic device that's measuring sounds constantly and deciding (laughs) when aggression is shown it's like sonar no, it's like it's like it's recording. It's a mic that's recording and it's deciding whether or not like voices are aggressive and whether or not that shows like signs of of maybe the student or the teacher will be aggressive in the future. It's fucked up, man. Yeah. I mean, it's fucked up. And this is a case is one case of one school district in one state. But boiling frogs happen slowly and then suddenly. And, and if you see the pictures of like the surveillance I don't know if they were from the system and from those particular school district, but for you parents out there, just like sending your kids and having them watched by some weird security guard and monitored, and especially at that young of age when you're going through such a formidable change in your life and you're very impressionable, like having these systems try to determine how you should naturally react based on facial recognition just doesn't seem... Uh, very natural, organic to me. I mean, you see the route we're going on here. You go, you, the the kid gets born. You take his DNA. You put him in the system. You take a picture of him as a little baby. Then you just take constant video of him and audio of him throughout his whole childhood growing up. I mean, in China right now, they're to get into the school to begin with. You have to go in some schools. You have to go through a face check just to get into the school. Like that's the end result here, and you know it's gonna it's gonna 
obviously stifle free expression. It's going to stifle creativity. And it's going to, yeah, people start self-censoring themselves, even if they're not censoring you directly, right? Like, people will just start watching what they say. They're afraid it's going to come back to haunt them. Yeah. Is that the future we want, freaks? It's a question you have to ask yourselves. I mean, I did so much shit in fucking school that I would never want videos oh of Oh, my those, God. Though. I went to an all-guys prep school. It was oh, like my God. The shit that I went down in those hallways were like... We at least had the ladies to keep us in check. No, none of that. Um, yeah. I have one more. I have another thing that we, sh- we have to talk about. Singapore's tax agency proposes to exempt cryptos from uh, capital gains tax uh, because the, the biggest everyone says, like, no one p- spends Bitcoin anywhere. Like, no one wants to calculate their capital gains tax on, like, a $2 coffee purchase, right? So, like, the first step is, like, taxing these things appropriately. And uh, that could be, it'll be a good experiment if they actually pass it in Singapore to see if, if, if we see usage increase there in, in terms of actual payments. Yeah. And maybe the data will show that there's more uh, tax collection via sales tax from the commerce used than, than actually uh, the capital gains tax. Maybe that's a stat you look for to see if that's uh, more, I mean, if, if you're looking at from the state's point of view. I mean... I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, they they could they could easily do sales tax and just every time you do a transaction, you pay. But that's so much easier to calculate. Like, uh, okay, it's a percentage of two dollars. It's not when did I get these sats? How much did I pay for them? You know, file it all away and then like report it in a year. Like that's crazy. Yeah, that's insane. It's insane. I would rather just spend my cash than than do all that process. And that's why like everyone who says like spend and replace, spend and replace, that's. A fucking headache and a half, you know. You no one, no one wants to do that. No. Um, and then there's one more thing, uh, Deutsche Bank. Oh uh, yeah. We never talked about that. I'm sure you talked about it in in a lot of detail in yeah, Paranoid well, Bulls. So I'm excited to hear that. Yeah, I mean we can talk. We can end it here on macro. Yeah, Deutsche Bank. They they've been falling. Uh, their stock price has been marching towards zero. The German ten year. Uh, they just did a. Uh, um, a treasury auction for 10-year German bonds. Uh, or was it 30-year? I forget if it was 10 or 30-year, and they were negative. So I think it was 10-year. Uh, so they had a bond auction in Germany the other day, and that 10-year yield is negative right off the bat. So those investors are uh, basically expected to lose money on that investment right away. And then, yes, the Deutsche Bank, they, I mean, they're the canary in the coal mine right now. They're the biggest bank in Germany, I believe the biggest bank in Europe. And... Um, to sort of, I guess, as a last-ditch effort to save themselves, to save the sinking ship. They're going to spin out what's, quote-unquote, a bad bank with their bad assets um, to try to, I guess, bifurcate the the core of Deutsche Bank's holdings. So from. that fails, but they don't. Yeah, but I don't see that happening. Or even that spinoff is too big to fail, right? They got to build. Well, that, it out. it's like logically, like how could you even market that to? Who was going to buy that? Exactly. Did you see, like, the stat that uh, it's, like, Robinhood users, like, all the millennials on Robinhood are, like, buying the the DB uh, dip? They're, like, the number of Robinhood holders has gone through the roof. Really? Yeah, it's <sighs> unfortunate. The, uh, and they, what, they laid off 20,000 people. Oh, yeah. And most importantly, we oh, have a Bitcoin new bad meme. guy. Bitcoin bad guy, yeah. Yeah, a new meme. A suit tailor who was uh, at Deutsche, this is actually poetic, he's at Deutsche Bank measuring probably some exec... Uh, on a new fitted suit the day that they're laying off 20,000 people and some photographer I'm not sure with what agency snapped a photo of him walking by DB's headquarters with Deutsche Bank sign in the background he's holding a bag that says bitcoins on it and everyone thought he was laid off that he was one of like all the big newspapers ran with it It was in Financial Times I think like New York Times are the same yeah it was in the biggest German paper apparently that's what got (laughs) shared with me originally um, and it turns out this guy's a Bitcoiner that's a tailor, like a really high-end tailor. And every time he goes to a bank client, like a big bank client, he brings this bag so he could take a picture in the lobby with the <laughs> with the bank logo in the background. It's just like an elaborate troll. Yeah, but I think the po- poetry of him being, like he said, he was there to measure somebody and sell suits to somebody, to some exec. I would be interested to know. I hope it's not one of the the laid off people, but it so. can't be. No one gets a suit tailored at DB while they're getting laid off. Yeah. Um, so just think about the the juxtaposition of 
the execs basically getting off free. And another thing to mention this Deutsche Bank saga in particular is this year, in the last bonus season, the execs awarded themselves the most bonuses um, that they have in the history of Deutsche Bank. Wait, really? Yeah. Yeah. That's a little bit ridiculous. Actions speak louder than words, man. Exactly. Um, so we'll end That's it there. because the incentives don't work. They don't. They don't. Yeah. They're incentivized to squeeze, to take as much advantage of the Cantillon effect as possible. Exactly. Um, and we'll end it there. This was a fun one. I, I had a great time. Uh, freaks, we'll see you next week. Stay humble and stack sets. Roof rips are fun. Peace and love.